Second Chronicles chapter 20, and uh, just some very simple thoughts I, I trust, but we are going to be thinking about Jehoshaphat today, and um, <clears throat> let's just make a start. Jehoshaphat was one of the great kings. He was one of the good and great kings of Judah. We're thankful for him. We love to read about the kings, especially when there's a good king come on the scene, and that is a, a, a refreshing change. So in Second Chronicles chapter 20, we read about this situation that Jehoshaphat is coming up against, as is often the case in our lives. It was in the case of his life. There was this great threat that was coming up against him. He had years of peace and prosperity and rest that God gave him rest round about. But now he was facing the, the greatest threat of his life, quite possibly. It actually says there in verse 2, it was a great multitude that was coming against him from beyond the sea on this side, Syria. A great multitude. And it probably was just this massive horde and it says, Jehoshaphat feared, verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Good response, by the way. The fearing part, natural, but it led him to seek the Lord. And that, my friends, is why I believe the Lord sends providentially into our lives things that cause us to fear, things that are great threats to us where we feel ourselves to be in imminent danger in one way or another and it happens in all sorts of ways i don't have to tell you it happens with health all of us have to face this it happens with our family and the various relationships and i don't have to tell you that it happens in church life it happens when we're looking out across a nation imminent danger well, Jehoshaphat faced that for himself, and the correct response is to seek the Lord. I believe what we're doing, although difficult, is the correct response. He sought the Lord. And by the way, he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And there we go. He gathered as many people as he could to seek the Lord with him. It wasn't enough that he himself was seeking the Lord. He proclaimed the fast, and he said, Everybody get on your face. And Judah gathered themselves together, corporate prayer, friends, to ask help of the Lord. To ask help of the Lord. Gather everyone you can. Gather every single able-bodied person to seek God together with us. For what purpose, King Jehoshaphat? To ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. What a beautiful thing that is. That's beautiful. And often, it's danger that forces God's people into such a state. Unfortunately, that's, that's what it takes often. You know, we don't normally seek the Lord in this way. But we're facing it. Unless you're blind. And we've had plenty of devotionals that have cataloged uh, the danger that we're in. Whether it's on a national, global, but certainly on a family and local church level, 
We see the deadness, the powerlessness. We see the enemy imminent. And um, that was happening here, and this is often what the Lord does to force his people to seek the Lord. All Judah gathers together. I love this. And so Jehoshaphat stands there in the place where Solomon stood centuries ago. Solomon was the one that built this, this, this temple, and he was there, and he stood probably at that very spot, and he was offering up his great prayer to God. You read about that in the earlier chapters of Second Chronicles chapter uh, 6. And, and now Jehoshaphat standing probably in the very same spot, and he's offering up now his prayer to God. And by the way, he's quoting Solomon's prayer. We're not going to go through all this, but it's great. So Jehoshaphat now is praying to God. And it says down there in verse 12, we'll just skip down to there, Jehoshaphat's prayer. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. We have no might. There's your confession of your powerlessness and your need against this great company. And that's, we could basically echo those words, the same prayer. Neither know we what to do. We have no strategy against what's, what we're facing. We have no strategy. Neither know we what to do. This is our prayer. But our eyes are upon thee. We're looking to the Lord. That's why we're here to pray. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones. Hey, I didn't even think of this, but have my little ones here today. With their little ones, their wives, and their children. All Judah came out, and they all sought the Lord. You know, it's such a beautiful thing. It really, I love to think of that, how they just all, all of them, children, women, wives, families, they all came out. It wasn't just the leadership. They all came out and they sought the Lord. One has to wonder if they did not do this, if the result, now we'll get to the result. The result was the victory, the great victory that they enjoyed. But one has to wonder if they did not do this, would they still have enjoyed the victory? I don't think so. Uh, Obviously, it's just speculation, but this is recorded here for, for the purpose of being instructive, and I believe that there's a lot of parallels in our day. Okay. Now, here's the part, really, that I wanted to get to. The Lord, through his prophet, tells Jehoshaphat in verse uh, 15, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Don't be afraid. And then he goes down. Verse 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. You're not going to need to fight. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What a promise. The word of the prophet. The word of the Lord. Can you imagine? They're all there seeking God. The word comes back. 
Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You will not need to fight. The battle is not yours, but God's. This battle that we're in is not ours. We're not fighting for our own kingdom. We're not fighting for our own name. We're not fighting for our own church. This is not our battle. The battle is the Lord's. Now, a hyper-Calvinist would read that and say, oh, good, we don't need to do anything. We can, we can sit at home. I mean, the Lord said, stand still, so we don't really need to get out of our bed the next day. But what happened? He, it goes on to say that, um, yes, the Lord said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And so in verse 20, we see, they arose early in the morning and went forth. What were they going forth to do? They, they arose early in the morning. I was thinking about this. It's like they couldn't get up early enough. They couldn't wait to get up and that next day to start. But the Lord said, stand still. We don't have to do anything. The battle is not ours. At that that kind of a promise does not lead to inaction. I want us to make sure we understand that. When, when the Lord told the Apostle Paul that he has much people in this city because he was afraid, um, that was a promise to Paul. That didn't lead him to inaction. Oh, good, the Lord has much people. He's going to bring them in with or without my help. Paul went out all the more, and he was able to go out then boldly with tremendous confidence, you see. This is how promises are supposed to affect us. The great promises of God, it doesn't lead us to passivity and inaction. It, it drives us even more, I believe, to action because we have confidence then that we're going in victory. So Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel, they get up early the next morning. They can't wait to see what God's going to do. They arose early the next morning, verse 20. They went forth. Jehoshaphat is telling the people, Hear me, O Judah. He's like, listen up. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophets. Believe his preachers. Believe the word, so shall you prosper. Because there's always this, the nag of doubt. Because uh, you're going out there, you're not prepared in the sense that you're not, uh, you're certainly overwhelmed, outnumbered. And there's, there's the, the, the possibility of doubt and fear. And Jehoshaphat has to, Settle the people again and say, believe. Believe in his word. Believe his promises. Don't doubt. What did he do after that? Verse 21. He appointed singers. I want you just to see this. It's one thing to believe and trust. It's another thing to express that belief and trust and praise. I, I mentioned this some time ago. I'll say it again. Normally, in our human way of thinking, we start praising after the deliverance comes. 
in this period of, of stress and anxiety and trouble and imminent danger, you know, we're not in a mood to praise God. But before the victory came, in Jehoshaphat's case, he appointed singers. He said, okay, we're going to start singing. He appointed singers that should praise and they went before the army and started praising. And it says, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, etc. And they were smitten. Actually, it goes on to say how they were smitten. Very interesting. There were three armies uh, of the enemies, and they started fighting each other. They started fighting each other. Maybe they had it all along in their mind uh, that that they wanted to take, you know, one of them out. Like two of them wanted to take one of them out. It goes on to say that. Verse 23, you can read it. It's very interesting. And that there was just so much confusion. They started killing each other. And so Israel is, is standing there just watching the whole thing. And But the but point I want you to see is just that as they started to sing and praise, this started to happen. Anybody can praise God after the fact. Nobody, or it takes a man of faith to praise God while you're facing imminent danger. Um, this is a very crude illustration, and I, I don't really like it, but it, sometimes illustrations do help. But it's sort of like the stock market, okay? The stock market, you know, when it goes through a, a period of danger and depression and the things are all dipping and everybody's trying to get out of there, uh, people say, I mean, I'm not a stock market person. I, I don't have money in stocks, but I just hear, my understanding is that that's the perfect time to buy. It's the perfect time to buy when it's at a low point. Well, I would say that when things are really, really tough in your life, in the life of your church and your family, because let's face it, that's really more to the point, especially with a group like this, and in your nation, when things are really tough and looking really dark, that's the best time, I would say, to start praising God. That's the best time to start praising God because that is the time where you can express your trust in God in the most powerful way. Anybody can praise God when things are going well. But when you are faced with those dark times, so see it as an opportunity. I think that all of us, to one degree or another, are facing a dark time. See it as an opportunity. See it as a God-given opportunity to praise God anyway. Praise God anyway. But it's not going well. Praise God anyway. I don't see a way out of this. I, you know, with loved ones, I mean, it's the hardest thing. And I don't say this cavalierly, but praise God anyway. And uh, it is the time to express our faith. But this is a, a very amazing passage. It's amazing. I, I hope that you can feel as I have felt the impact of this. When we're facing our the great multitude of enemy and the imminent danger that is coming against us in our nation, in our church, in our family, when we're facing it, praise God anyway. 